Blog Talk Radio. Well, it's that time again. Time for parenting your challenging child. Dr. Ross Green here, as always, coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, where we're expecting only 10 to 12 additional inches of snow between tonight and throughout the day tomorrow, which is a bit of a bummer. Not that we can't handle it, mind you, just that most of it has been melted. And I was kind of enjoying seeing the sidewalks again. But we'll deal. We always do. Uh, I haven't been up here long enough to count myself as a Mainer. According to some things I've read, I'll never be a Mainer. I'll always be from away. But... um, it is noticeable how uh, Mainers handle big dumps of snow. They just deal with it. They don't freak out. Very cool. All right, so, um, of course, one of the goals on this program is to help you deal with your child's challenging behavior. And for at least one of you, preferably you in the beginning and then your child over time, to not freak out about the unsolved problems that are setting that challenging behavior in motion and to uh, get those problems solved. And that's how people stop freaking out about those unsolved problems. First, first you got to identify them, then you got to solve them, not emergently and unilaterally, but rather proactively and collaboratively. Uh, lots of email has stacked up. As always, callers take priority on our program today. The number is 347-994-2981 if you want to call in. 347-994-2981. And we do not have any callers at the moment, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start answering email. And here we go. Let's see how many we can get through until somebody calls. Hi, Dr. Green. Thank you very much for your contributions to this field. I have an 8-year-old who was finally diagnosed with ODD, Oppositional Defiant Disorder, after years of making it through school with emotional breakdowns. I believe he has a bit more going on than just ODD. Now here's an editorial comment. There's always more going on than just ODD. Oppositional defiant disorder is still editorializing here. Then I'll get back to the email, as you can tell. You put those three letters in front of me. I've got to say something. ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, which really is comprised of a list of mm, a bunch of behaviors that kids exhibit that we call oppositional defiant disorder. But what oppositional defiant disorder, those behaviors, let you know is that your kid has a fever. There's always something more going on than just ODD. The fever tells you there's something going on. Now comes the hard part. Calling a kid ODD is not the hard part. Figuring out why he's exhibiting the behaviors that comprise ODD, a little harder. All right, I'm done editorializing. Back to the email. 
My wife and I are currently working with the school district to keep him in class. The school asked that we use a behavioral assessment and BIP, that stands for Behavior Intervention Plan, instead of the 504 plan, and we agreed. His teacher gives him daily behavioral charts. However, he is still allowed to sit in the back of the class isolated. When he has an outburst, she signals the other students to get up and move to the other side of the room, further isolating him. More editorializing here. If your stomach is starting to churn, you're not alone. Back to the email. My son gets upset and will threaten some of the students in the classroom. That's not good, which I believe is the result of an unresolved bullying incident earlier this year. Well, you might be right. You might be wrong. Right now it's a theory. Only one way to find out. I I started editorializing when I didn't tell you. All right, I'm editorializing. You might be right. You might be wrong. We've got to find out, and the way we're going to find out is the empathy step of plan B. Otherwise, we're just guessing. Back to the email. This past week, he had another outburst on Wednesday. We picked him up from school, and he lost his TV privilege for the day, along with going outside. However, we remained near him at all times. I believe the key is to not make them feel alone. Editorializing, uh, it's fine to have them not feel alone, but he needs a lot more help from you than that. Back to the email. Two days after this incident, we were asked to a meeting with the head of student services for the district. Immediately after introductions and sitting down, the administrator began asking my son about his recent outburst at school and informed him that he was on the verge of expulsion. I'm going to editorialize here. Ladies and gentlemen, this happens countless times every day in North America. And as you shall soon hear, it is completely unnecessary. And I feel for the parent who's writing this to me, and I feel for the folks who are working with this kid, but boy, do I feel for the kid because he's waiting for the adults to figure out what's really going on. And once they figure out what's going on, it will become crystal clear that an expulsion isn't going to fix anything. I get it. We need to protect the other kids. We need to make them safe. An expulsion isn't going to do that either because after we're through expelling him, He's going to come back, and if we don't figure out what his lagging skills and unsolved problems are before he comes back, and if we don't solve them when he comes back, and he doesn't need to be expelled in the first place, by the way, because we could be doing that right now, well, he's still going to have those lagging skills and unsolved problems when he comes back because expulsions don't do anything about lagging skills and unsolved problems. Back to the email. Without interrupting the administrator, I was holding back the best I could. Good for you. I eventually asked my son to leave the office and began to inform him of my son's diagnosis and behavior intervention plan. He also asked me to consider taking away my son's book bag and having him earn it back as a reward. You know, I bet the the list of things we could take away is probably endless. I mean, why stop at his book bag? Back to the email. I thought about it and refused, and I was informed that he disagreed with my rationale that my son would feel further isolated and could possibly be teased by taking away his bag or forcing him to use a clear or mesh backpack. Am I wrong in disagreeing with this respect? No, you are not wrong in disagreeing with this respect, this request. I feel like his teacher's vice principal, principal, and now head of student services are completely out of touch. 
The school psychologist has not answered my email. There are multiple kids down here that are being suspended or expelled for various reasons, and no one thinks twice when a child in an elementary school is suspended. All right, we're going to editorial comment. I haven't gotten to the end of the email yet. We need to know where you are and what your school system is, because Lives in the Balance is going to send all these folks a free care package. Um, this is tragic. Your child, all the other ones who this is being done to, this is tragic. This is unnecessary. This is unenlightened. Back to the email. I can't believe that they would suspend a straight-A student for threatening other students and shoving his desk and not think that we as adults, parents, educators should approve of this crime and punishment and think that there are not other underlying problems. Well, you just said a mouthful. Now, Lives in the Balance has to help you help them. It all begins with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. By the way, that was the end of the email. It all begins with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, where we start figuring out what skills a kid is lacking so we can start to see the child through the prism of lagging skills. And the good thing about doing that is that it becomes clear why all of the things we've been doing haven't been working, because suspensions don't teach lagging skills and expulsions don't teach lagging skills and discipline referrals don't teach lagging skills. Then, simultaneously, we need to identify the unsolved problems that are associated with each lagging skill. Doing it simultaneously, rather than checking off all the lagging skills first and then thinking of unsolved problems second, or thinking of unsolved problems first and then thinking about lagging skills second, a lot of advantages to doing it simultaneously, namely, makes it crystal clear that the unsolved problems are associated with the lagging skills. That makes it clear for people, these things that we've been suspending this kid about, these things that we expel kids for, these things that we got a behavior plan for, I'll talk about your behavior plan in a minute, what we've been doing wouldn't address the lagging skills, and the unsolved problems. So do it simultaneously. And by the way, I'm going to put out, I was talking with a colleague about this this morning, there seems to be a need for a uh, guide to completing the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. You will have it soon on the Lives in a Balance website, as soon as I can get to it, along with a sample assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, which I've been promising for a while. By the way, the, um, this is a complete digression. The announcement for the 2013 Lives in the Balance is now up on the Lives in the Balance website. It'll be in Portland, Maine again, November 8, 2013. It is the third annual International Summit on Non-Punitive, Non-Adversarial Interventions for At-Risk Kids. Yes, there will be a big dose of my model at the summit, but also other models that are oriented toward being non-punitive and non-adversarial. Back to the, well, I hope some folks from this school system come, maybe if they get a care package. 
once you identify the unsolved problems, time to... By the way, the unsolved problems do not contain any challenging behaviors. That's one of the guidelines. The behavior is not the unsolved problem. The unsolved problem is whatever unsolved problem is setting in motion the behavior. Behavior intervention plans focus on behavior. Behavior intervention plans tend to focus on extinguishing, through punishment, the behaviors we don't want to see and um, rewarding replacement behaviors that we do want to see. Behavior intervention plans tend to be completely focused on behavior, not the problems that are giving rise to those behaviors. In this model, when you are solving problems collaboratively, you're focused on solving the problems that are giving rise to the behaviors, not the behaviors themselves. That is huge. Puts you in a completely different universe, has you focused on completely different assessment raw material, unsolved problems, not the behaviors being given rise that are those unsolved problems are giving rise to. Lost my thought for a second. I just saw that there are two people holding on uh, on the line, and we will get to you in area code 518 as soon as I'm done with this email. And then we got to get good at solving problems collaboratively. And when schools do that, do all of what I just described, they're not suspending much anymore. They're not expelling. They're not given anywhere near the number of detentions because they are now quite clear on the fact that those interventions do not fix what's really getting in a kid's way. Rather, you have a problem-solving plan, not a behavior intervention plan. Um, we're going to email you and ask you to give us the specific contact information of the principal, the vice principal, and the what was the person's role in the. Uh, hold on. The head of student services so they can get some free information about how to do things differently. If you're listening to this program and you want to send a care package to anyone who you think needs to know more about this, go to the care package section on the Lives in the Balance website. That's the only thing on the website that costs money because we can't afford to give those away for free uh, all the time. If you order one, not free. Unless you request that it be free, then it is free. If we send it, free, we've got to change this so that emails like this and what's going on to these poor kids doesn't happen anymore. And by the way, just in case you think I'm demonizing somebody, I'm not. I've, I, I empathize with the principal and the assistant principal and the teachers and the head of student services. If they are lacking information about what's really going on with behaviorally challenging kids. And if they are lacking the tools to deal with it differently, they're not having any fun either. Got an uh, email from one of our listeners. Yikes. The interventions that have been used aren't working, and in fact they are probably making things worse. People using plan A methods with the child never stop to think that the message won't get through. It's broken. 
And in order to help your child, you all must get on the same page through the Plan B process. This will slowly improve things with your child, repair your relationship with your child, and indirectly teach the lagging skills that are so badly needed. Thank you to our emailer. I couldn't agree more. By the way, um, I don't think I'd be punishing my kid when he got home from school. He's getting plenty of it at school already. We've got to find out what's going on. We've got to figure out what unsolved problems are setting in motion these episodes. We've got to get your kid talking. We've got to start solving problems collaboratively. Thank you very much for writing. Let's go to one of our callers from area code 518. How are you today? You're on the air. I, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am well. What's on your mind? Thank you. Um, well, I am the mother of a um, just newly six-year-old child, a boy, who has been difficult since birth. Um, you know, we were told at a young age, you know, it's his, his temperament and his age. Well, now at six, you know, it's no longer acceptable to have tantrums. Um, he's been seeing a psychologist um, for behavior modification for the last, I'd say, year and a half now, almost two years. Um, he was diagnosed in May of 2012 with ADD and anxiety. Um, his symptoms are he is easily frustrated, he's extremely impulsive, overreacts to change, he has poor emotional regulatory skills, and, um, and he has also the tendency to um, become verbally and physically aggressive, um, and especially in the home. It used to be school, um, but now that he's in kindergarten, it seems as though um, it's stopped in school, especially he has a fabulous teacher who has done a wonderful job um, uh, incentivizing him, and, and really the behavior charts have worked very well in school. However, at home, not what, not at all. Um, we've tried behavior charts, we've tried positive reinforcement, taking things away, timeouts, sending him to his room, and this escalates the um, the his tantrums. Um, it's and it's gotten a lot worse. Uh, in the last couple weeks, we've been trying ADD medication. Um, we've tried ADD medication, and that has led to at home in the evenings more destructive behavior and aggression, threatening to kill us. Um, just really, just you know, extreme aggression and distraction. Um, and so we took him off the medication as of Sunday, and we're really just in, at our wit's end and, and um, unsure as to our next steps, and um, number one. And then also, um, you know, we're, we're new to you. I recently heard um, about you and your book within the last week, so I, I did buy it, and I'm in the process of, of reading it. Um, but I'm trying to, my husband and I are trying to figure out how do we determine what his unsolved problems are? I know that okay. was a lot, but... So that you got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I need to say is that if you, um, you want to take your child's verbalizations about harm seriously, mm -hmm. if, you, if you feel that he is a danger then you need to make sure that you immediately contact the people who are working directly with you. Sounds like you have mm -hmm. somebody prescribing. 
and it sounds like you have somebody doing some form of therapy. Yeah. Um, and you want to make sure that they are aware that um, of these verbalizations. Mm-hmm. Um, they know you. I don't know you at all. They would know your situation better than me and can advise you on steps that you may need to take, not necessarily, but might need to take, especially if the threats are viewed as serious. We always take mm-hmm. them seriously. but that, So that's, that's sort of thing number one. But now thing number two, um, you, you've got um, some complicating factors, and sometimes adding medication can complicate things. Mm-hmm. Um, you're telling me that coinciding with the medication, things started getting worse in the evening at home. Yes. Um, so if it's accurate that uh, the it coincided with the medication, then hopefully things will improve somewhat at home mm-hmm. uh, for you having taking them off the medication. Mm-hmm. Now, as it relates to your specific question, um, but as it relates to that issue, that's something that hopefully the person doing the prescribing can guide you on as well. Mm-hmm. H- hard for me to provide that kind of guidance from a distance with kids I don't know, but you, you, you have somebody doing the prescribing, so maybe they can help we, you with that. Yeah, we do. And she has, um, you know, the, the psychologist, you know, believes in ADD, and the psychiatrist, who we recently just started going to within the last two months, uh, we tried them on the first ADD medication and received this type of response, took them off, switched it to a different stimulant, and, um, you know, obviously are seeing the same response. She thinks that it may be anxiety and depression and not ADD. Um, so they, well, the, the psychologist and psychiatrist have different um, yeah. Diagnosis. Well, and as well. long as we go with global labels, they may, they can continue um, going back and forth about what global label they should be using till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, the, the fact that a stimulant medication didn't work doesn't necessarily mean it's something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Um, that can be a little bit more complicated, but at the moment mm-hmm. we would say that your child is not a stimulant medication responder. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you should go on a fishing expedition for another medication. Mm-hmm. Just perhaps that, well, you know what, uh, the the answer to them may be exactly the same as the answer for you. On the Lies in the Balance website, uh-huh. Um uh, if you get on the website, on the left-hand side, there's a bit of a table of contents. Uh-huh. And um, down near the bottom of the table of contents on the left-hand side, it says uh, resources, and under that it says the paperwork. And mm-hmm. in the paperwork section, you can find the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Okay. I would recommend that you print it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and if there is a co-parent involved, have... Yeah. You and that person filling it out together mm-hmm. and giving thought to your child's lagging skills and unsolved problems. And an issue of new urgency, as I said uh, on the email that I was reading earlier, um, is I'm going to put a guide for how to fill out the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems onto the website. Right now I've been um, hoping that the directions at the top of the ALSIP would suffice, but I'm learning that the directions at the top of the ALSIP do not suffice, so I'm going to post some directions on the website. Hopefully this week, we'll see. Okay. Um, especially if it snows 10 to 12 inches here <laughs> in Portland, Maine tomorrow, I will actually have time to get this done. If it doesn't, then I might not. Um, 
ask the folks at school if they are willing to have a meeting in mm-hmm. which you'll be talking about trying to identify lagging skills and unsolved problems in your child. Mm-hmm. That's going to be far more helpful, I believe, than saying he has ADHD or he has anxiety or he has depression. Uh-huh. Far more informative. Okay, even though he's not he's not demonstrating these behaviors in school? Um, well, now, here's the interesting thing. I, I was wondering about that. Stimulant medication is daytime medication. Mm-hmm. He's on the stimulant medication at school. Right. But if he's not demonstrating difficulties at school, and you're paying a big price for the stimulant medication at night, that's yeah. an interesting scenario all by itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, d- d- are you, are the folks at school communicating with you about any difficult, uh, you know what, Here, here's the answer. He's, um, if he's being medicated or was being medicated for whatever difficulties he was having at school, and I'm assuming given that it was stimulant medication and that the diagnosis that was being used, then some combination of inattention hyperactivity and poor mm-hmm. impulse control are why he's on was on that medicine. Yes? Mhm. Yeah. And 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 it um given that that medicine was being administered to help during the day because stimulant medication keeps you awake at night, I'm assuming that they were seeing at least those things at school. Yes? Um a little they worked on a little bit, but his teachers well he's I to make a long story short, he's in, in a half day kindergarten program with a wrap around program. And the wraparound program that he was in um, up until January 1st, he was not doing a good job. And, and, and it was effective. We were seeing signs of him, it affecting his self-esteem, him coming home and saying he's a bad boy. So the psychologist recommended, you know, us looking into medication to really, if he could help control himself a little bit better, maybe it could help improve his self-esteem. That's why we went with it. In the meantime, as of January 1st, we also started him in a new program after school, which is there's seven kids in his class. So um, it's well-structured, and he's now doing very well in both schools. So now we're really only seeing the major issues at home. All right. So now you've convinced me. Okay. Uh, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm actually not only convinced, but actually rather confused. Okay. Uh, I don't think that the primary goal of prescribing stimulant medication is and I'm not speaking as a pharmacologist here, but rather as a psychologist who doesn't prescribe. But what I, from what I've read, while stimulant medication can indirectly improve self-esteem mm-hmm. by reducing activity level, improving impulse control, and improving attention span, mm-hmm. it's not a self-esteem drug. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a little bit confusing as to why um, medication that addresses certain things is being prescribed when those things aren't present. But I'm going out a little bit on a limb here because I'm not a prescribing doctor, but it is certainly mm-hmm. something that I would recommend you talk to the mm-hmm. pharmacologist about. Um, that's a little bit confusing to me. Okay. But your question initially was, how do you identify... La- so the big question is, would you get any more information about your child if you met with the folks who are with him during the day to find out 
what his lagging skills or unsolved problems are. And, you know, I'm, I'm a let's leave no stone uncovered guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It is conceivable, it certainly wouldn't be the first time I've heard of it, that your child is keeping himself very tightly wrapped mm-hmm. during the school day mm-hmm. and coming home and unraveling. Mm-hmm. And and so there are many kids who it's actually there is no precipitant right when the kid gets home from school. The kid is just simply decompensating when uh-huh. he gets home from school because he's been keeping himself so tightly wrapped mm-hmm. during the school day. Mm-hmm. So it would be hard for me to say we don't want that info. I think we do want that info. Okay. So the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems you'll find in the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website. Uh-huh. There yep. will be instructions on how to do it. And, and by the way, there's also, especially in the educator radio program, Listening Library, Okay. there are instructions on how to use it. They aren't written instructions. They are verbal instructions. Mm-hmm. So the folks at school and you can listen to those programs and know how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems if for some reason I don't get the written instructions up anytime soon. I will try, but no promises. Okay. And that's what I would recommend that you do. Okay. And if you can include the mental health professionals who are caring for your son in the mix as well, that would be great because they are guiding Mm -hmm. you and we want to make sure that they are providing you with the best guidance possible. Okay. All right. We've got a little bit more work to do to Download it from the website, at least one radio program to listen to. It's in the educator section. If you go to the uh-huh. educator listening library and go to using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, that's one of the sections. Okay. The top radio program is me describing how to use the ALSIP, and I think that okay. will help a lot. Okay. All right. Now, here, here, here's your open invitation. Mm-hmm. After you do it, uh-huh. you have a standing invitation to call back. And let me and everybody who listens to this program know what you found, mm-hmm. and we can we can take it to the next step. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure, and I wish you the very best. And I thank you for calling in today. Okay, thank you. I will be calling back. Take care. Good. You too. Bye. Thank you. Um, we have another caller standing by. I'm going to bring. We seem to be popular in area code five one eight today. Area code 518, you are on the air. How are you today? Now, maybe this is nobody. Area code 518, are you there? I think not. Let's go back to the email. Um, Wow, we're having an interesting day here. A few more emails from listeners. Uh, A recommendation here. that uh, the mom might want to keep a log for a week so as to determine this might be, I don't know if this is for the first email that I read or our first caller today. Um, they might want to keep a log for a week so as to determine, it would be relevant to both actually, so as to determine exactly which, what the child's unsolved problems are and which to work on first. Thank you very much for that email. Here's another, please don't work on everything at once, prioritize. Thank you very much for that email. Let's go to another emailer with a question. Go back here. 
Uh, let me. I, I hate to think that we have a. Hold on. Uh, let's see if our caller is back. Area code five one eight. Are you with us? No. Okay, we're going to give up. Let's go to this email. Dr. Green, my child, a young adult, has a genetic syndrome that includes moderate intellectual disability and problems with managing her own emotions. She is very kind, helpful, and sweet, but also very easily angered, and then she is aggressive. Can't really talk about anything that's not concrete like how she is feeling or why, editorial comment, you're not in, in, when you're solving problems collaboratively, there is a rather low premium on talking about how someone is feeling or why. The model is not allergic to talking about feeling. It's just that talking about what somebody is feeling doesn't usually give us the information about their concern or perspective that's making them feel that way. Back to the email. Trying to talk about that makes her very frustrated. And then she bites herself, yells, run away, or even throws things at someone. Editorial comment. Um, uh, I I know a good way to get rid of the um, biting, yelling, running away, and throwing things at someone. You don't have to talk about that stuff. It's it's non-essential information. Back to the email. So I have to be a detective and infer what the problems are that are causing her to be aggressive. Hmm, maybe not, but we'll get to that in a second. Over the years, we have discovered some things to help her keep calm, that help to keep her calm, but she cycles into times when she is easily set off. What are solutions if the problem is internal? If she has so much anxiety or angst, or adrenaline, I don't know what to call it, that anything can set her off. In other words, although we might be able to detect the immediate problem is that she wants a soda at lunch, and there aren't any, the real problem is that she is so revved up internally that she reacts to everything. Um, I'll get back to that. If you are able to pinpoint a problem for a child, but the problem isn't solvable, then what? She does take medication for the anxiety. End of email. Okay, thank you for emailing. Uh, there are kids that are so revved up that it is hard for them to focus on solving a problem. There are some kids who are so revved up that things that wouldn't normally be problems are problems because they're so revved up. But I don't think we should turn away from specific unsolved problems so quickly. You've actually just named a few. Actually, you've named one. She wants a soda at lunch, and there aren't any. Well, that, If that happens frequently, then that's an unsolved problem. Difficulty when soda isn't available during a meal could be a very specific unsolved problem, and you two could be talking about that. And that would take the place of talking about how your daughter is feeling and why. 
Um, you know, I'm thinking about the email that one of our listeners sent earlier today. Uh, and by the way, caller from area code 410, I'll be with you as soon as I can, uh, probably within the next two or three minutes. Um, let's not talk ourselves out of specific unsolved problems so quick. The email from our listener about making a list is a very good idea. Make a list of the unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes. If you want to, email that list back to me, and I'll talk you through it on the air, whether you call in or not. We'll turn what you're seeing into specific unsolved problems that you can talk with your daughter about collaboratively and proactively. And since you're not going to be asking her about what she feels, then asking her about what she feels, which we're not going to do anymore, we might get rid of the biting, yelling, running away, and throwing things. I would not say that being revved up so internally is an un... Well, I guess it could be an unsolved problem in and of itself. Would we, it would be a very vague one, be very hard to work on, want a little bit more detail on that one, but if you feel like it, make a list. Every time your daughter gets upset about something, write it down. Email it to me, and we'll try to turn them into unsolved problems right here, live on the air. And while there are interventions for kids who are revved up, and those are typically medications, but not necessarily always, once again, the key theme here is don't give up on the specific unsolved problems so fast. We um, don't want to miss that information, and those might be things that your daughter is actually able to talk about. All right. Let's see if I can get our caller from area code 410 on here. We only have about six or seven minutes left, but we'll try. Area code 410, how are you today? Doing good, thanks. Good. What's on your mind? I was calling because I have two children. My oldest is 12. She's Asperger's and ADHD. And the youngest one is the one we're having the most problems with. Um, we haven't completed full neuropsych testing for her yet, but her current diagnosis is bipolar 1 with psychosis, um, ODD, and separation anxiety. Um, we've, she's had problems since she was a baby, um, completely unable to control Herself, I mean, at, at one, I would try to redirect and I would have problems. Um, and to the point that she's been hospitalized twice so far this school year. Um, the first time she Goodness. wanted to kill, she, yeah, it's been, it's gotten worse. <laughs> the first time she wanted to kill herself had actual suicide plans. Um, the second How time, old the is she? Voice, she just turned nine um, last month. Okay. Um, she just got out of the hospital a couple of weeks ago because she hears these voices. She's heard them for about three or four years now. Um, they argue over what she's going to do next. Um, the voices do. Yeah, it's it's a it's two people that she says it's like they're sitting behind her and they're yelling at her. Um, they usually tell her they were telling her to kill her sister. Um, 
but since we've started with Risperidol and some other medications, um, they've now turned inward. Um, and that's what I think precipitated the, um, the suicide problem. And then most recently the voices were telling her to break her bones. And that's why she actually had enough um, thought, I guess, into, I'm not sure how to say it, but she came to us and told us she needed to go to the hospital because she didn't think she could stop ignoring them. Um, and they've upped her medications and, and it, it made the voices go away and we're starting to get back to baseline level. Um, we're just starting wraparound services and everything for her. But I guess I'm having trouble correlating um, the methodology with with her problems. When that This is like, it's her makeup. Do you know what I mean? It's similar to the previous I, I, email. Yep, I get it totally. Um, and we'll keep going, and then I'll answer. Yeah, I think I think my biggest concern is I'm I'm right now kind of in crisis mode, just trying to keep her safe and trying to keep her older sister safe because she's definitely afraid of her. Um, yeah, she's gotten to the point now she's so big we can't restrain her. Um, yeah, she can lift me up, and I'm not a small person. Um, and so that's. But- you know, that's where we're kind of at. We're trying to problem solve. You know, we find certain things help, like for some reason sucking on a lollipop that's too big to bite through can help calm her down when she starts to get going if I can get it to her at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but You're, you're you know, dealing with a very severe situation. Yeah. <laughs> and one that um, regrettably I might not be able to help out with as much as we both might like, because this is one that would require that I actually know your daughter. Okay. So generic advice um, isn't going to cut it for you or or her. But I'm so because I would need to have a better sense of the true nature of the voices, um, what the medication is doing. Um, but if I was to and you obviously need to do whatever you need to do to keep her safe and the good news is that at least in one instance that you described she's coming to you and letting her you know that she doesn't feel safe and that's positive but you're you're dealing with an extremely um you're dealing with a precarious situation related to safety um but I would need a better sense of your daughter's actual difficulties and not necessarily from you but to come to my own impression about that to help you as well as we both might like. Here's the only generic advice I can give you um, beyond what you're doing already, and I hope that you have mental health professionals who are helping you, especially if in situations if your daughter's becoming unsafe and helping you to try to keep her from becoming unsafe and working on her difficulties, which sound severe as you're describing them. Here's the only thing at the moment that the model might be able to help with. If there are certain conditions, I call them unsolved problems, that are likely to cause her to become unsafe in particular, that might be worth attending to um, and keeping track of. I know that you've got an intervention that sometimes helps to calm her down, but I'm wondering about being able to identify specific 
situations, and given that we only have about 30 seconds left in the program, I'm not even going to be able to ask you about that. All you're getting is generic advice at the moment. Um, and then the big million-dollar question is whether your daughter um, is able to participate in the solving of those problems, given her, condi- given her condition. And once again, regrettably, I'm unable to weigh in on either of those two things because I don't know her and I don't have the perfect sense of her condition. So I wish I could be more helpful than I'm being. Um, I hope that's been slightly helpful. Yes. Yeah. And or I just, wish you the best of we'll luck. We'll just get through it and then, then work on problems. <laughs> um, you, you need someone who can actually collaborate with you to solve problems. And since I don't know her, I don't know if she's able to do that yet. Good luck with it, though. Well, thank you. You bet. And on that somber note, we are going to call it a day here on Parenting Your Challenging Child. I thank you for listening in. We'll be back next week. Don't worry. Talk to you then.